We'll try it anyway. All right. Luke chapter number three uh, this morning. We're very excited about the family fall extravaganza coming up uh, November the 16th. And again, that'll be at Athens Childsburg Elementary. And, uh, and we'll talk more about it in the afternoon service, but I'm excited about what is planned and, uh, and uh, praying that the Lord will bless it and use it uh, in a unique way uh, for our church. <clears throat> Luke chapter 3, we're going to be looking at John the Baptist today. In today's society, uh, we don't have enough people like John the Baptist, um, people who are out there just doing what God desires for them to do, to be vocal. Um, with a right heart, a right spirit, and sharing uh, God and God's love uh, to those around them. <clears throat> we have too many people today that are concerned about what people think of them. Too many people today that are concerned with trying to build themselves a name. Um, uh, and and it, it's easier today than ever, right, to be heard. Uh, you on social media, and you can type something out and be heard. You can take a video and uh, post it very simply and be heard. And it seems like today everyone is just trying to be known. They want to be that, that, that next great social media sensation. And instead of having just a true heart for people, uh, I get, I, I'm very skeptical. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I am. People post a video. Look at this, this person. They decided to help this, this poor kid out. And uh, they bought them all new clothes and... And that's just because they, they felt bad for that kid. And yet they had their friend video it the entire time. You know, I'm glad that they're doing good things for the kid, but it feels like they were just doing it to get it on video and so that they could be uh, invited on some show to be given something to let everybody know how great of a person they are. And uh, the same is true in Christianity as well, sadly. So many people today, they do what they do to make sure they get it on video or a picture of it so they can tell everybody just how good of a person they are. And John the Baptist was not that way. We don't have enough people in today's world like John the Baptist. So let's look in Luke chapter 3, starting in verse number 1. <clears throat> I just have three thoughts today that I'd like to share with you uh, from this passage. Luke chapter 3, starting in verse number 1. It says, Now in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being uh, tetrarch uh, of Galilee, and his brother Philip, Patriarch of um, Iturea and the region of Trachonitis. I'm saying all this wrong. And Lysanias. The, I would probably even need to read that verse. Verse number two. Annas and Sophias, uh, Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. John is John the Baptist, okay? Good. Verse number three. And he came, we probably didn't need to read verses one or two, yet we did. Here we go. Verse number three. And he came into all the country of jo about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the word of Isaiah, the prophet, that's Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he unto the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able 
of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? And he answered and saith unto them, Ye hath two co- he, who, he that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them all, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and uh, with fire. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we look at this person, John the Baptist, and we look at the truths that we can learn from just this passage this morning. God, I pray that you would challenge us and motivate us to be more for you. And God, I pray that you'd help us this morning. I pray that you would take away all my faults and failures. And Lord, I pray that today you'd use me as a vessel to, uh, to present your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have our hearts open and our minds open to receive what you'd have for us today. And God, I pray that you would help me to present these verses clearly and correctly. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John the Baptist is a unique fellow. Usually when we're talking about John, we're talking about his diet and his clothing. And uh, that, that's, I mean, we could preach on diet and clothing. We're not going to today uh, as uh, I'm not on a diet and, uh, and I have a rip in my pocket. So I guess uh, uh, I'm not the one, to, I don't know. But, uh, nonetheless, we talk about John the Baptist. He's a very unique guy. He's out in the wilderness. He's out there preaching. He's out there baptizing. Um, he's doing it in all unique fashions. Everything about John is just different uh, than what I think most were used to in this time. The Pharisees and the, the, the supposed Bible teachers of the time uh, were very uh, well astute, so to say. They came across as very educated. Um, they were very particular about what they wore, about how they walked, about what they ate. All of those things were very um, uh, uh, strenuous, very detailed. But John was different than all of them, and, uh, and he was unique in all of them. And we can learn things from that, but today I'd like us just to take out of these 16 verses three thoughts, and we'll look at some other verses as well, but three thoughts uh, that can help us, that if we'll model ourselves after these three points, we too can do what God desires for us to do. John was before birth uh, uh, set aside for this purpose. When uh, his parents miraculously conceived him, uh, there was a purpose for it. Uh, you remember that he was set aside for the purpose of coming before Christ, just by months, before Christ, and preparing the way for Christ uh, as he would come uh, soon to follow. But I want us to see some things about John the Baptist and in this passage that we can learn from him uh, that will help us uh, in our lives to, to set ourselves up to be where God wants us to be and to do what God wants us to do. Number one, something we see from John that we need to do as well is very simply do God's will. Do what God wills for your life. Uh, I just mentioned that John the Baptist, when he, came, when he was born, he was born with a purpose. 
uh, specifically to be the one who came before Christ and prepared the way for him. Uh, and we're not really going to look into those passages this morning, but, but we can see that if you read through the Gospels, you'll see that very simply. But in verse number 2, uh, it says that the Word of God came unto John, and then in verse number 3, and he came unto all, uh, all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it was said, in, as Isaiah verse 4 tells us as well, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That's John's purpose. That is the will of God for John's life to come before Christ and to prepare the way for him. It would not be long after this passage in which Christ came while John was preaching and baptizing and John says, this is the one I've told you about. This is the reason I'm here. John's disciples, those who followed John, would eventually follow Christ. And we read about that, I believe it's in Matthew, uh, but we, uh, maybe it's Mark chapter 5. Anyways, we read about that uh, in the Bible where John's disciples follow Christ for a day. And, and they came because John said, go and see. Go and see who he is. He's the one I've been telling you about. And uh, John had a purpose and, and a will that he was supposed to do. In Isaiah 40, verse 3 and 4, we won't read it, but it says exactly what we just read really uh, here in verse number 4 and verse number 5 as well, where it says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. It says that in Isaiah 40 as well, prophesying for this one that would come before Christ. John 1 and verse 23, uh, if you want to turn there, you can. Um, Well, I'll just read it to you. It says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. John said, that's who I am. I'm the one that was prophesied. I'm the one that was told to you is coming to make way uh, for Christ. I am the one that is crying in the wilderness. And so when we say do the will of God, that's simple to say, right? Do the will of God. Then the next question is, well, what is the will of God? What is the will of God? That is a, a, a topic that books have been written on, that sermons have been preached, that blogs have been written, that uh, podcasts have been made to do the will of God. What is God's will for my life? Now, there is differences in, in uh, what God's will is for each, each of our lives. There are general things that are God's will for every Christian. Uh, God demands for us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's God's will for your life. Uh, the, the, that uh, we have the proper relationships. That's God's will in our life. That, that if you're married, you're the proper spouse. That if you're a parent, you're the proper parent. That if you're an employee, you're the proper employee. That if you're a citizen, that you're the proper citizen. That is God's will for your life. Those things are very simple. That if you're a friend, that you're the right kind of friend. That if you're a church member, that you're the right kind of church member. Those things are all generally God's will for your life. Those are simple things that I believe we all understand. This is what God wants for me. But on top of that, then we go a little deeper. And this is where we get to the point where the pastor cannot tell you the answer to what is God's will for my life. It is God's will for my life. I know this to pastor this church. I know this because God told me. Now, it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't in a vision and a dream. Uh, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that God wants me here at this moment pastoring this church. Maybe someday God changes His will. I hope He doesn't. 
uh, but it, it, it's possible. So when we talk about God's will for our life, it's not as simple as the pastor saying, well, come meet with me in my office, and we'll talk about it, and we will discover God's will for your life. It's just not that simple. We think about it more, I think, as children than we do as adults, because oftentimes as adults, we kind of get settled in, and we just assume this is it. This is where God wants me. This is what God wants me to do. And maybe we even stop asking. We just say, we're here. We've, 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 we've made it to God's will. Now we just got to live it out the rest of our lives. And it may be true that we have. Uh, but as a lot of times as kids and teenagers, we start talking about the will of God. The will of God. What is the will of God for your life? And uh, if you're in a camp setting, you hear stuff about you should be a missionary, you should be a preacher, you should be a whatever. And sometimes in church we hear that as well. We need more preachers. We need more missionaries. We need more ministry folks throughout the world going about doing what God has set forth full-time as the idea of a minister of the gospel full-time. That is, that is your job. We need more of those people. But we also need other people. <laughs> um, I've never heard a pastor say, and I'm thankful for this, and I'm sure there have been pastors that have said it, but mine have not, that every single one of you should be either a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary or something to that effect. I've never heard a pastor say that, and I'm thankful for that. I've also heard the silly notion of, well, if we're all pastors, who would we preach to? Well, <laughs> there's plenty of people out there uh, to preach to. But the point is this. What is God's will for your life? Very simply, you just must ask. You just have to ask God. A relationship with God it goes so much further than salvation. After we're saved, a relationship should grow from there. The Bible refers back to, to churches who were uh, still babies that they shouldn't have been. They should have matured by then, but they're still being fed milk because that's all they could take. And they needed that to, to, to get that nourishment and that growth and that maturity so that they could then eat meat like a grown person. And we have too many children in the church, and by that I mean uh, not literal children, too many Christians who should be mature who are not because they have not read their Bible and they have not had a relationship with God uh, that is the way it's supposed to be. It's talking to God, praying with God, uh, asking God for the wisdom that God says, if you ask, I'll give it to you. And we spend so much time, sadly, as Christians, that after we get saved, we sit around and we think, well, what else do I need to do? I come to church, so aren't I fine? No. <laughs> church is part of it. Church is good, and if you're coming to church, you're being obedient to God. But it, that should not be the... the, uh, the the entirety of your relationship with God should not just be church on Sunday or church on Sunday and Wednesday. A relationship with God means constant communication. It means reading and getting from God's Word what He has for you. It means praying and speaking to God, taking to Him your needs, your requests, your cares, and your concerns. So when you say, well, what is God's will for my life? We simply must go to God and ask Him. We simply must go to the Bible and read and grow from it, and God will continue to develop us. Um, this is the hardest time of year for me to preach, and the reason is is because I'm spending a lot of time thinking on praying about the new year, the new the theme that we've got for the new year. I'm excited to present it to you, uh, and and I have to stay away for two three months from those topics, preaching on those topics, because I want to save it for the new year. And so I, I start to talk, and sometimes I stop because I think, no, I'm going to give it away. I got to wait. Got to hold on to it a little bit longer. But I'll tell you this. There is, there is never a time in a Christian's life where he has or she has attained, where she has gotten to the top, where he has gotten to where there's nowhere else to go. There is always a time to keep growing. 
And there's always, I believe, opportunities that God says, if you'll ask me, I'll give it to you. It is God's will that you share the gospel with people. It is God's will that you read your Bible. It is God's will that you go to church. It is God's will that you pray. But I'm telling you, there are things that God has for you in your life that you don't know about yet simply because you haven't asked. There are roles within this church that God has for you that you don't know about yet because you haven't asked. Ask God. There are roles that uh, you have in this church that I don't know about yet because I haven't asked God. There are things that this church can do that, that God says, if you'll just ask me, I'll open it to you. This extravaganza coming up in November is one of those things. We did it this summer. This is the, not the first time we've done a kid's thing in the park. Um, but we did it this summer, and it just got me to thinking, you know, we need to do more of this. More out. More uh, opportunities that it's not, it's not just, there are people who will not come into a church building. And now listen, it's, I say that's okay, and I think it is to a degree. It's not okay for them. It's okay for us. The point is this. We're not going to reach people by just coming to church every Sunday. We have to go out. And we've got to do things. And this extravaganza, there's, they're going to get the gospel. We're going to give it to them in written form. But there's not going to be a time where during this extravaganza we're going to stand up there and preach. It's not going to happen. So this is an opportunity for us to, to get out, to reach people, to meet people, to, to let them know there is a church here that that is nice that is willing to go out and do things and uh you know it's the our largest budgeted event i believe is this fall extravaganza uh, maybe missions month is is slightly above that but it's it's all really close and and we see that uh, we've got to make it a priority to do what god wants us to do and god says reach the reach the world preach the gospel to every creature well if we're all we're going to do is come to church on Sunday we're only going to preach the gospel to the creatures who show up and so what is God's will we know the, the general things but if we get specific is it God's will for my life to be a missionary well ask God sometimes we don't ask God because we're afraid he'll say yes <laughs> right uh, sometimes we, we hear some of these stories and especially we listen to uh, Mark Tolson talk about the things that are going on in China. And part of us, you know, we, we see the Grassies in Slovenia, the beautiful Alps, uh, the Pereiras in Portugal, um, and, and they've started, what, seven churches or been a part of, to some degree, seven churches, maybe more. Um, we see the Ways are in London, and they're going through similar things that we go through here in the States. There's differences, but some similarities. And then all of a sudden we hear the Tolsons, and there's people being thrown in prison and being beaten. And uh, uh, there was uh, two weeks ago a church that was, uh, everybody was thrown out of the church and then they ripped the building down. And all of a sudden we go, well, missionary sounded fun if I could go skiing in the Alps, but I don't know about, you know, not being able to use my real name, not being able to openly, or at least not being able to openly share the gospel with someone and then walking away from it, thinking that all is good with the world. But now I have to be afraid that they're going to tell the police and the police are going to come find me. Well, maybe God wants you to be a missionary. Uh, maybe God wants you to go somewhere, start a church in the States or overseas. Uh, maybe God wants you to do different things. I don't know. I'm hoping to bring in some, some more people that will show us some more varieties of different things when it comes to missions work. 
But the point is this. If you want to know God's will for your life, you've got to ask Him. But after you ask Him, you have to do it. John the Baptist knew what the will of God was for him, and guess what? He did it. So do God's will. Number two, speak God's message. Number one, do God's will. Number two, speak God's message. We see here in verse number three, that says that He came unto all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Let's talk about that for a moment. Number one, uh, repent. What does that mean? It's, it means a reversal. We've talked about that before. It means a reversal. It means I'm going this way. If I'm going to repent of going this way, I now have to go this way. It's a 180 degree turn. So if I'm repenting of sin, if I'm prideful and I'm repenting of sin, I, instead of, of going like this, I actually have to go all the way around and go away from the pride altogether. If I'm guilty of gossip, then I don't just gossip less, I stop gossiping altogether. That's what repenting is. It is uh, if you look it up in the dictionary, it talks about guilt and things like that. Um, and, and repentance, though, biblical repentance is a turning from and a turning to. A turning away from wrong and a turning to God. That's what repentance is. Yes, we're guilty and we'll feel guilty of our sin if we're going to repent. If we're truly going to repent, we have shame over what we're repenting from. I know this is wrong. I know I shouldn't do it. And I'm going to stop. And so we repent. And we turn towards God and go to the things of God. Uh, I saw this uh, and I did not write, and I apologize, I did not write who, who it's from. But the call to repentance is a summons to a personal, absolute, and ultimate unconditional surrender to God as sovereign. I'm going to read that again. I think it's really good. The call to repentance is a summons to a personal, absolute, and ultimate unconditional surrender to God as sovereign. So a repentance is uh, what I'm doing is not what God wants me to do. And so I'm going to surrender fully, unconditionally, turn to what God desires for me to do because God knows best. God is best. And so therefore, I'm going to turn to Him. In verse 3, it says He's preaching the baptism of repentance. In verse 8, He says, Come with your fruits worthy of repentance. All right, so let's talk about that for a moment. Uh, and, he, and he gets specific about it. So he's got these people that are coming. They're coming to be baptized. Now, I, I reiterate this again. Uh, baptism is not for salvation. Baptism follows salvation. It is a symbol. It is a picture. It is a, a, a person saying, I am now following God. And in this baptism, I am showing that to everyone else. Uh, but salvation comes from the heart. And a, and a belief and a faith, the Bible says, by faith, uh, uh, through grace. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, and that's where it's, it's here. It's when a person says, I am a sinner. I deserve hell. Christ came, died on the cross for my sins so that I don't have to. Because that's the ultimate punishment. I'm putting my trust, my faith, and that God's grace is sufficient for my salvation. And so that is where salvation is. So in here, this baptism is, again, people coming and saying, I want to follow Christ. And so the baptism is proof of that. Okay, It's not, it's not for salvation. But he, he talks about this. So he says in verse 8 uh, to the people, the crowd that are in front of him, he says, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, he's saying, what are you repenting of? You come and say that you want to repent, but, but of what? So then we see in verse 11, there's a group of people and they say, what shall we do then? 
And what does he say? John the Baptist says in verse 11, He that hath two coats, uh, let him impart to him that hath none, and he that hath meat, let him do the same. So here he's saying, you need to repent of greed and selfishness. You have and you have and you have and you see other people in need and you don't take care of them. It's a sin in your life and you need to repent of it. Then in verse 13, uh, it goes on and here comes the, um, verse 12, excuse me, the publicans come and they say, Master, what shall we do? This is people, it, it appears as these are people saying, what sin do I have in my life? I don't think it's exactly that, but that's what, he's, that's what he comes back with. Here's the fruits of your repentance. Here's what you need to repent of. Verse 13, he said unto them, exact no more than that which is appointed to you. The publicans were guilty of taking more than what they were supposed to. They'd go around and the government would say, these people owe this amount, and they would come and they would say, you actually owe this amount, and they would keep some from themselves. They were stealing it. There was theft involved here. And so John the Baptist points that out to him. In verse number 14, then the soldiers came and they do the same thing. Well, what do we need to do? And John the Baptist answers them. He said to them, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. Be content with thy wages. So the soldiers have a few things on top of, on top of them. He says, do no violence uh, to no man. This is talking about Again, stealing. They would go in and, and, and kick people out of their homes. Uh, they would go in and, and violently remove people from things and take things from them uh, with that. Then, on top of that, he said false accusations. Uh, they falsely accuse people for pretty much the same purpose. The way I understand it is, hey, I can, I can get that from them if I just lie about what they're doing. We could throw them in prison and take their stuff. Uh, falsely accusing people. And then discontentment. Oh, and this might hit home more so than lying about people and stealing their homes. Uh, discontentment. He says, be content with your wages. Now listen, it's not wrong to get a raise. Uh, don't, don't misquote me here. It's not wrong after you've been at a place for a while and you've done a good job to ask your boss, is it at all possible for me to get paid more? Um, if you get a promotion, they offer your pay raise. This isn't meaning that you need to deny that pay raise uh, if the boss offers you one. But these, these men were, they were greedy. They wanted more. Well, we're not getting paid enough, so we're going to take it from these people. He says, be content with your wages. These are the fruits that they needed to bring of repentance. What do you need to repent of? A person cannot be saved unless they, I believe this, unless they repent. Because what then are you saying? We come to this point in there, there's so many people in today's society who will go to a so-called church and they will supposedly give their life to Christ, but nothing in their life changes. That's why I don't like the term give my life to Christ as a, in replace of the term salvation. Um, I, I hear preachers that do this and they'll say, the day so-and-so gave his life to Christ. And yes, if you're saved, yes, that's, that's all true and it's all good. Uh, but I think what we get to is this point then where people are, we're seeing this. And we're seeing it in, in specific kinds of churches where people are saying, I've given my life to Christ, yet nothing has changed. They did not get rid of any of their sin. Their sin still stays in their, in their house. Their sin, sin still stays in their life. Nothing changes. And the Bible says that when we're saved, we are given a new life. 
We're giving uh, a new, and we're supposed to get rid of the old. And there are things that take time to change. There are things that, that we will mature in as we read the Bible and we learn more about God. But ultimately at salvation, things change. Why? Because a repentance is a change. And if someone says, well, I want God's salvation, but I don't want to change, guess what? You can't have God's salvation. Because you refuse to turn away from the world and turn to God. And so we see here that, that he is preaching repentance. Turn away from him. And they say, well, what do, what do I need to do? And I love it because John gets specific with them. Here's the things that everybody knows about you that you need to get rid of. Here's the things you need to repent of. Here's the areas in your life that are sinful, that are wrong. You know, one, one of the things when we talk about speaking God's message that sadly many Christians don't do today is speak truth. I've talked about this before with coworkers. If they ask you a question, tell them the truth. Hey, I live this way. Is this right or wrong? That's a green light. That's an open door. It's an opportunity for you to tell them from the Bible whether it's right or it's wrong. Yet so many Christians today are afraid to hurt their, their co-workers or friends or family members. They're afraid to uh, uh, um, have a relationship broken. I understand that. They're afraid to have a relationship broken so they don't speak truth. Here these people said, well, John, what are we supposed to do? And he told them the truth. This in your life is wrong. You need to get it right. And yet we have people consistently, I believe, if we're around people consistently, then we have people consistently who are looking for truth and they'll ask a question. Some of them are trying to catch you. Just plain and simple. They're trying to catch you. But most people who ask a question are looking for a truthful answer. So when they say, hey, I live this way, what do you think about it? Number one, your response should be, it doesn't matter what I think about it. Here's what the Bible says. And you've got to know the Bible in order to respond that way. That's why it's so important that we're reading and we're praying. But someone says, I live this way. Is it right or wrong? I once had a, I had a, a, a young man. I say young man. He was my age, which at that time was young. And uh, we were out golfing. It was the first time we had met. Um, his uh, sister wanted him to come to church. And he said, I don't want to come to church until I know the pastor. And he said, uh, is there, does he like to golf? And she said, I think so. And I was a brand new pastor at the time. And, and he said, well, I'll take him golfing. Can you set it up? So we went golfing together. And uh, we were out golfing, and he said to me while we were golfing, he said, uh, he said, now, I don't get drunk. He said, but I'm a firefighter, and we have these fireman balls, and there's alcohol at the fireman's balls, and, and, uh, and I drink at that. That's the only time I drink. But I don't get drunk. I just drink a little bit there. What do you think about that? <laughs> I was 26, maybe 27 at the time. I was a new pastor in a new community with new people that I was trying to gain their favor and I had, a, I had a crossroads at this point where I had to decide, this guy is thinking about coming to our church, and I want him to come to our church, right? It's always good to have new people in church. And I was going through, very quickly in my brain, all these thoughts were coming through. At the end, of it, I just said, I just got to be truthful about it. And I said, I believe all drinking is wrong, all alcohol. And I said, uh, you know, I said it's good that you're not getting drunk. Uh, that's good, but I believe that, that it's still wrong that you're drinking there. I said, if anything else... It's a horrible testimony for those that you're around because he was a Christian. And uh, he later told me it was that answer. Out of all the things we talked about over golfing that day, it was that answer that decided he was going to come to our church. Today he's pastoring. Uh, he's pastoring a, a good church uh, with a good group of people, and he's doing a great job. 
And it's not, it's not because of me or anything that I did, but I'll say this. Had I told him, you know, uh, I don't know. It might be okay. He may not have come to church again. Had I told him to appease him, no, it's fine. As long as you're not getting drunk, it's okay. He may not have come to church, or if he did, he may not have ever gotten anything from it. See, we're supposed to speak God's message no matter what it is uh, to whoever God puts before us. John the Baptist was not afraid to, to, to speak the message God gave him. God's given you a message. It's a big one. It's a very long one. It'll take longer than 30 to 40 minutes. But it's your responsibility as a Christian. It's my responsibility as a Christian, not as a preacher, although it is too, but as a Christian to present God's message truthfully to the people in this world, to your coworkers, to your family members, to your neighbors, to your friends, and to strangers. It is our responsibility. So speak God's message no matter the, what we see as the consequences. Speak the truth. Number three, number one, do God's will. Number two, speak God's message. Number three, know God's role. Now, sometimes we would say you need to know your role, and we do. But if we'll know God's role, it'll help us know our role. Know God's role. Look in verse 16 here. It says, John answered, saying unto them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John understood who God was. At this point, John had never met Christ. But he did know God. And he said, "There's a, and you remember, John's going to baptize Christ later. John says, I'm baptizing you with water. This is all symbolic. But the one who really does the changing, he's coming. It's not my role to change you. It's God's role. It's not my role to change your heart. It's my role to speak God's message. And it's God's role to do the amazing, miraculous, life-changing that he does. John said, I'm not even worthy to unlatch his shoes. In John 3, verse 30, in another conversation, John says, he must increase God, but I must decrease. He understood again God's role. And he knew that there needed to be more of God. More of God in his ministry. More of God in his life. And less of himself. We have to increase God in our schedule and decrease ourselves. What is our schedule all about? Typically, for the average person, it's about me. What works best for me? So we change our schedule. And we, we, we make our schedule where it works for me. There needs to be more God in your schedule and less of you. What does God want for my day? We need to increase God in our relationships and decrease ourselves. The largest issue when it comes to marriage relationships and friendship relationships is that one person is selfish, if not both, and they're striving to make it more about them. We need to do this because it makes me happy. We need to do this because I like it. We need to do this because it's all about me. We need to increase God in your relationships and decrease yourself. God, what do you want for this relationship? I'm not talking about just uh, 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 an intimate relationship. 
uh, um, I'm talking about friendships, boss and employees, all of those relationships, friends, church members amongst other church members, increase God, decrease yourself. Increase God in your religion. You say, well, that should be an obvious one. It should be, you're right. Increase God in your religion, decrease yourself. I've been in a number of churches in my life. And there are people in every church who are doing what God wants them to do and seeking and striving for God's will in their church and in their role in the church. And there are other people who are looking for themselves. But I want to do this and I want to do that. We should do it this way. I used to do it this way. We should do it that way. I've had people tell me that without them, the church will fail. (laughs) I'm sorry. You must be at the wrong church. We increase God and we decrease ourselves. It's not about us. I could drop dead right now. I hope I don't. But I could, and the church wouldn't fall apart. I was gone last week. You know how many pastors I know that have churches larger than me that feel like they can't leave for a week because they don't feel like there's anybody in the church that can, can fill in for them while they're gone? There are people who, who literally never take a vacation. Or if they do, they take a, a shortened one because they have to be back for Wednesday or they've got to be back for Sunday because there's no one that they feel like is ready in the church to, to take to stand up and take the place. And we've brought in guest speakers before. We had Brother Gary preach one time when I was gone. But we've had many times where James or Adam or someone's filled in while I was gone. I don't like being gone on Sundays. Um, but if you're going to take a vacation, take a vacation. Um, it's my philosophy, at least. And, uh, and I, have, I, I thought about the church. I prayed for the church that morning. But I never worried about it. Now, I've heard some stories, and now I'm a little worried. But outside of that... Uh, church is not about us we're supposed to be here it's not about us and if we ever get the mindset that you know if I don't get to do this well then they're making a big mistake and if I bet if I didn't come that this would fall to pieces I bet if I didn't give then they would never survive we survived without you and we will again if we need to. Why? Because God takes care of this church. At the end of the day, we need more of Christ, more of God, and less of us. In John 3.31, the verse that comes after, He must increase, but I must decrease. He says, uh, He that cometh from above is above all. God is above all. John understood that. He knew God's role in his life, and we need to know God's role as well. John had many opportunities to grab fame. John was famous. People heard about this John in the wilderness. This guy who's eating locusts, and the guy who's wearing camel hair, and and the guy who's preaching and baptizing. People knew who John was, and he had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to grab fame, to grab some fortune, I'm sure, but he consistently denied all of that. In verse 15, he says, And the people were expect, in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ. They were wondering, is this the Christ that we were told about? And what does John say? One mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to loosen. In John 3.28, he says, I am not the Christ, but that I am uh, sent before him. 
In John 1 verse 20, he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. John 1 27, he says, uh, He it is who coming after me is preferred before me. He's um, come before me. So consistently, John was asked, Are you the Christ? Are you something special? Are you this thing we've been waiting for? And you know there were other people in Bible times and other people today who say, I am. There were other people in the Bible times who I, I promise you claim to be the Christ. There are people in today's world that claim to be something so special and something you've never seen before. You see it in the Mormon religion. You see it in other religions as well, people who claim uh, to be God, and they are not. John had the opportunities, and he denied it. Why? Because he knew God's role. And we're in a society of self-promotion and self-practice, and what we need to be doing instead is self-demotion. This is not a, a, I am nothing, I am worthless, uh, I am scum. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's an understanding that I am only what I am because of God. And I can only be what God wants me to be if I allow God to make me that. It's not about me. It's about promoting Christ. Knowing God's role. God says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He also says, all power is given to me by inspiration. Uh, not by inspiration. All power is given to me. And he says, and lo, I am with you always. You see, we can accomplish what God wants us to do, but we have to have God uh, doing it for us. We cannot do it on our own. And John is a great example. He's a, he's a great picture for us here in the Bible of someone who understood a few things. He knew that he needed to do God's will. Whatever God wanted him to do, that's what he was going to do. He knew he needed to speak God's message even if it was something that people might look at and go, uh-uh. Or I hate you because you said that. Or if you believe that, then you don't love me. John said, no, this is God's message, so I'm going to speak it. And he also knew God's role. He must increase, and I must decrease. Again, it is so easy for us today to promote ourselves. Today, we feel like our, our opinion must be heard, and I believe there are things that we need to be heard about. But we're in a, an age of self-promotion. If you go to the self-help books, I've not read them, but I'm assuming they all tell you the same thing. You are special. Do what you do for you. Make yourself happy. And the Bible consistently tells us that if you want true joy, lasting joy, eternal joy, you get it through God and through God alone. So I ask you this morning to do God's will to speak God's message, and to know God's role. And you too can be someone who has an impact the way that John the Baptist had an impact by simply doing these three things. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I pray that we are what, what you want us to be. God, I pray that we'll do what you want us to do. We're living in a, in a world as people have for years and years and years that is not for this. Lord, it's not an easy task that you've uh, commanded us with to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But God, you say you'll help us. And so the day, Lord, I ask that you'd help us to do your will. If we don't know what your will is, Lord, I pray that we'd seek it 
and that you'd answer. God, I pray that you'd help us to speak your message. We could have gone into much more detail on this, but God, I pray that we would know our Bibles. And Lord, that you would help us in presenting your word to other people, people that we love, people that we don't know, people that desperately need it. God, help us to speak your message. Mm -hmm. And then, God, I ask you lastly to help us to know your role. Lord, help us to understand the importance of us decreasing and you increasing. And Lord, like John, when we have opportunities to, to, to be filled with pride, when we have opportunities to, uh, to grab some uh, so-called fame, Lord, help us to deny uh, those uh, desires and Lord, simply give honor and glory to where it belongs with you. Help us to do what we do when it comes to our Christian life for the right purposes for you, Lord, and for no one else. God, may you help us to, to, to live the way you want us to live. And God, we'll give you all the honor and the glory for what you do in our lives, in our homes, at our workplace, and here in our church. We are excited to see how you're going to use us to accomplish and to fulfill the Great Commission. We pray all this in Jesus' name with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We will not have an invitation today, but I simply ask you this. If God has spoken to you about something today, I pray that you'll take care of it. I pray that you'll go to him and ask him for the strength and the help that you need to do his will and to speak his message. And I also hope that if you're not currently in your Bible, that you get into it today and continue it tomorrow and so on and so on. We need God to do God's will. So be like John, humble yourself, and let God use you. Lord, help us. Help us to be what we ought to be. Again, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.